welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Check out our calendar of Metro Atlanta tennis events at letsgotennis.com, where you can also find deals on equipment, apparel, and more. In this episode, we talk to Becky Robinson of Chatterhouse Communications, the social media management magic behind two ATP events, one in Dallas and the other right here in Atlanta. Check out atlantaopentennis.com, where single-session tickets go on sale Monday, May 15th. And if you've been living under a rock, you might not know that Coco Golf and Layla Fernandez are coming to town for the women's exhibition on July 23rd. Have a listen, and let us know what you think. Tennis being the starting point, whether you're a tennis player or, in your case, a marketer, you know, somebody actually that's kind of selling the sport. You're right. I don't know if that's the right phrase. Would you say you're selling the sport? How would you how would you describe what you do for tennis? Yeah, I would say promoting it. I mean, I I'm one of those who want to promote tennis as a sport and get it above some of the sports, some of the sports that do better right now. Uh, you know, um, with the whole Netflix show that's helping right now, and just for Atlanta for the tournament. You know, promoting it obviously locally, but U.S. internationally as well. Um, but yeah, I would use the word just, I mean, personally and professionally, just a big fan of trying to see what more we can do to get tennis out there, you know? Yeah. And you're with Chatterhouse Communications, right? So that's, that's what you call yourself. And that means Chatterhouse Communications is tennis promotion or is much more than that. And tennis is just one of the things you do. And I'll, I'll do the, the, the mention of saying, okay, we're talking with Becky Robinson of Chatterhouse Communications. So you're a tennis promoter, but that isn't all that Chatterhouse Communication does, or is it just tennis all day, all the time? Correct. It's a, a big piece of it, but not just tennis. I mean, I started the company in 2012 to help startups, like new to market companies, and got into the tennis world around 2017, because I was like, I was doing a lot of IT promotion, which is not super exciting. And I'm like, why can't I start promoting something that I love, love playing, love watching, you know, would love to see it, you know, see what I can do to help. So um, Shatterhouse does, well, we've done, we've done a stand-up paddleboard company that makes boards. We've done solar farms. We've done state government. We've done um, makeup apps, kind of all over the board. Um, and a big chunk of my work has come from my tennis colleagues and friends, honestly. Um, it's our tennis community, you know, kind of supports each other and kind of says, hey, she does this and blah, blah, blah. And that's where I've gotten a lot of my business. And we appreciate that because that's one of our, one of our tenants, so to speak. We should just write that down as a tenant, Bobby. First tenant, we are not experts at everything. So go find the expert at the thing you need done right. and, and bring them on board. And we say, hey, what would you want from us to, to say, hey, this is what we're trying to do and this is what we want to get going and what we want to have happen. So if we have somebody like you that, that is an expert in what you do from a promoting tennis point of view, I like Bobby's quote, and I've probably been quoting it too much recently, which is we often spend too much time promoting a player or players rather than promoting the sport itself. 
I would guess as a tennis promoter, as you said, you mentioned the sport, but you don't mention a player specifically. It's how do we grow the sport? How do we make it better? And in tennis, how do you know Bobby? Did you meet through the Atlanta Open? Because you work with the Dallas Open and the Atlanta Open, if I have that right. And somehow that gets you to knowing Bobby Schindler? So I played tennis at Windermere. Yeah. He's oh, been wow. stuck with me in drills before and my all my crazy, my team. I captain a team now out of Windermere. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, he knows me on the court and off professionally as well. It is part of our Tuesday night experience at Windermere. We block it off. We don't have anybody remotely close to us. Yes. So they, they do not listen to our conversations. And Tuesday night is everybody. That's our fun night. That's yeah. when all our ADD comes rampantly obvious. It does. And that definitely does not need to be recorded. Or <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things yelled out. But I mean, as Windermere is for such a community, you, we have some people very involved in the tennis community within our community. So it, it, it does help because we have some good networking opportunities just amongst ourselves. And, and of course, we've expanded and we try to help everybody and introduce. So we did, where are we sitting in Cincinnati? Um, close. Close? Yes. <laughs> Can we yes. get an exclusive if, when you get really close? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, um, Bobby seems to know everyone as well. I mean, like Sam just hooked me up at the Miami Open and, and the Cadillac box, which was great. I enjoyed that. Sam's awesome and a great partner in Atlanta as well with Cadillac. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy how you run into people. A girl on my tennis team works for T2 Tennis, you know, on the, on the administrative side. So it's, you know, a lot of people in the industry in Atlanta. And hopefully we'll get Joel on here pretty soon, the, the founder of T2, because in all my years of tennis in Atlanta, I always say that he's probably the only person I could think outside of USTA and Alta that have had a lasting impact and been successful. There's been a lot of ideas, but T2 has been the not even remotely close, the most triumphant of the cottage industries that have grown out of the the fun and the the numbers of Atlanta tennis players. Right. Absolutely. It's a great organization of that flexibility to play. And I was even chilling. Elliot, maybe she should try it out. <laughs> and, you know, our, our friend who was in Cincinnati is now going to New York. So I don't know how much interest you might have in taking a next step. But so there there's... Oh, yes, nice. Yeah, so he, he's going. I don't know, you know, what what level, but you know, that's where his next step is. So you know, it, like I said, we we were hoping to go to Cincinnati, so we we want you there because we'd like to do a little trip. That's that's close enough, and historically, every year it gets the the best ratings from the players of a tournament that they enjoy being at. So figured it, Cincinnati's a cool little town. It's easily accessible, not too far. You can fly, you can drive. So right. yeah, we're thinking about road tripping up there. Yeah, it's great. And just being in Miami, it's just great to see a different tournament and how they do things and, you know, experience it as a fan. Because then you put on your marketing hat as well while you're enjoying it. Well, it's I know when I went to grad school, we did something for, God, was it Hershey, I think, uh, with NASCAR. And it was such a it was such an experience. I was like, well, if I had to do it over again, I'd certainly go product side because the product gets treated like you know gold where right. the you know, the event organizers are that's your 
your your stage is that however long the event is. So there's a lot of pressure while you're there where I had the privilege of going up to Charleston a few years ago with Sam and Cadillac and get treated like a king, be in the, you know, be in the box, all the all the best features of the tournament. So that is a nice side to experience as well. And from your perspective, I'm sure it opens up a, a different viewpoint of exactly. how to approach a tournament. Yes, very different experience as a staff member because I can tell you my family and friends check on me during the tournament because it is like maybe I get four hours of sleep some nights. I think one year I lost nine pounds during the tournament because it's just nonstop, so much to do. And in Atlanta, you know, we're outdoors, so we have rain delays. Sometimes we're we're playing matches until 1 a.m. And people stay. It's great, um, but it's a lot of work. It's not shipping champagne like a <laughs> a fan, right? It's a lot. Was it what we did in Charleston? Is what we do down here? Yes, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. Right, a lot of um, interns that are just love the sport and want to help, and you know, come work. And I, I get a lot of good work out of some interns every year, so I appreciate that help. So this is the first year you went to Dallas. Yeah, second. Yeah, this is second. Yeah. How long do you stay there when you're on site for the tournament? I think this year it was twelve days. Um, we had a first women's XO there. We had Sloan and Madison, and we had a little bit of John Isner did a pro, his charity event kind of the night before everything. So I kind of need to get in, and then we do like a Chris in the courts with media before it starts. So I have to get there early. Um, and then obviously our finals are usually kind of late, like one, five o'clock, and I go home the next day. Um, so yeah, 12 days, but Dallas is a great city. They love tennis there. It sells out really quickly. It's indoor. Uh, they just are a very engaged fan and fan base and just love tennis there. So it's fun tournaments. Easy. Is it a T-bar? T-bar, no, but they're, they're a supporter. It's at SMU. Oh, you said it out loud. Yeah. That's my rival. I mean, you know, oh, TCU and SMU, that's that's Georgia, Florida right there. You know, that's the battle for the Metroplex. So you probably know Grant Chan, who's like the man who knows everybody. <laughs> well, it's the funny part about T-Bar is even though it's in Dallas, it is a very TCU-oriented club. I mean, because Tut Bartson, our old coach, had a big influence on the club. So you see Tut all over the place. So even though you're in Dallas, you feel like you're close to Fort Worth. So, but right. yeah. And SMU does has had some good players. Richie Renneberg did all right, and he was you know he was top ten in the world. He's an SMU guy, and who am I? Rodney Harmon was Rodney. Not sure. I'm trying to think. There's there's another in my era that was at SMU that did pretty well as well. So yeah. So, so Bobby doesn't go too far down a road of tennis players that most people have never heard of. <laughs> you you, uh, you have to be a, a you have to be a pay attention for a while for that. But Becky, you mentioned the difference. Oh, you didn't mention the difference. You mentioned something that I noticed is very different. You talk about the Dallas fan being engaged at the tournament. We're getting a lot of response here that the Atlanta, the Atlanta area isn't engaged as, as much as we'd like it to be. How do we, is one of the things that go tennis, we want to we help promote that, that idea of not only the professional tournament. We don't talk a lot of professional here. We just talk the business of Atlanta and the social side of, of how we do tennis here. But is there is there a big difference between people in Dallas and people in Atlanta as to why the tournaments are engaged with differently? Well, the Atlanta crowd is 
is engaged. They're great and they're very knowledgeable of tennis. They love doubles. Like we say, Atlanta is the double city. It's what we call it, say the largest recreational city in the world, perhaps U.S. Um, we have the challenge of the heat, you know, and um, the timing of the year right before school starts back. But we we do still have great crowds. But you know, day sessions can be hard. Um, you know, Atlanta Metro is so large, and we're down in Atlantic Station. Um, getting the suburbs down there, but they still come out. Um, but I think the greatest challenge is heat. Um, and but we still have great ticket sales every year. It's like record from the year before. Um, but those are the challenges. And so, how do we get the the state to have a holiday, <laughs> exactly. a national holiday, where you know the banks can take off whenever Monday they want? We partnered with UPS and do STEM Day, which brings in a lot of kids during the day. So that has helped a lot. Um, when we have our tennis camps and tennis groups bringing kids in, um, which has helped a lot. I've also helped with the Winston-Salem tournament and it, it's, it's unfortunate for them because they're back in school. So that limits their ball kids and volunteers and fan base, you know, during the day sessions and also being the tournament right before the U.S. Open um, doesn't help. So it could be worse for us because to have the kids in school, a lot worse. That's true. I guess we don't need a national holiday in the summer. It is a national holiday. So <laughs> yeah. more, more excuses to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Listen, we tried to get Alta to take the weekend off when the senior tour was coming, and we were met with the resounding no. So I don't think we're going to get real far with schools. <laughs> if Alta said, no, we're playing. I don't care what time. We're going to play. I was like, oh, great. So, yeah. Yeah, Alta won't even give us Easter off. I'm dealing with yeah. that right now. <laughs> so hard. I was Captain, I, did, I haven't captained for a while and I'm back and I'm like, why did I agree to do this again? Because it's during, you know, spring break and Easter matches. It is a thankless job. Mm -hmm, for sure. Especially spring. Like you said, you get it. We get it two weeks. And, and Gwinnett, is, if they're not on the same spring break schedule, it could be a three week ordeal that we have to go through to rearrange a match. The spring season up here is very difficult. It is painful. Yes. Just hurting cats. Who's available? Who can play? Okay, can you play one of 16 days? <laughs> you know, yeah. keep this straight. So how long do you got, what What was your, what did you say your time frame when you start to concentrate specifically on Atlanta? So I, I work for Atlanta year round, which is kind of unusual for some tournaments because we do holiday packs starting in November, promote those in December. We start going on sale around March, April. Um, we're actually going to sell next week for our premium week long. So that's our first ticket sale. Um, so it starts now. Um, but year round, I'm from, you know posting on social, following the players that typically play our tournament, how they're doing in Australia, Indian Wells, Miami, you know, trying to keep our social alive and not just during the nine days. Um, so it's a lot of prep, a lot of preparation for that week because I do a lot of sponsor engagement. And also do influencer marketing. So I work with, you know, um, Instagram personalities to promote the tournament to kind of reach that audience outside of tennis. You know, try to get the fans out that just want to come have a drink and some good food and, you know, some live sports that may not really play. Um, so there's a lot of, of prep work for that that we start really early as now. Well, that's great. I mean, because I've been a, a strong proponent of that, even again, going back to our senior tour days, I was like, guys, you can't come in here a month and a half before the event and think this is going to be successful. 
it just even back in the day when we had the old AT&T when it was in you know the end of March or April we always had weather issues even then it was a different weather issue but it was our rainy season so it was always difficult and I always felt that we needed to stay more engaged throughout the year to get those people as you said the US Open really you go to the US Open the first week it's the party it's the, you know, the corporate sponsorships. It's everybody coming for the event where the second week translates more into the diehard tennis fans who are there to see the tennis and, and to see the, you know, who wins. So it's tough to create that environment. And, and it's, it's, that's something we're trying to do. We, we take tennis as the commonality. What are the things can we reach and bring people together to strengthen the commonality and to expand? Because as you said, you know, a lot of the reputation of Atlanta is great participatory city might not necessarily show up in the in the manner in which you would think. And I think a lot of the, the, the events are sold a lot of times. Oh, well, you got 80,000 tennis players. They're going to show up. Well, but this is a tier one city. There's a lot to do. And, and you know, Alpharetta is growing. Coming is growing. Mill, there's more to do. You know, it's just, it's getting more and more stuff to do. So it, it's just competition and it's tough. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the player field is always crucial. And, you know, I didn't really understand the levels and still still uh, until I started working out 250, 500,000 level Grand Slam. So, we don't, we're not really going to get a Nadal unless we get lucky. Um, you have to pay some of them to show up, right? So um, it's still great talent. And sometimes someone will show up that you weren't expecting that's great, get a wild card, that kind of stuff. Um, so the player field is a big deal. Um, Nick Curios, he loves Atlanta. He's great to us. He is really good to Atlanta. And, you know, he can tend to back out of tournaments last minute. And so I tend to watch this guy on, I stalk him on social before a tournament because he goes <laughs> down to the Bahamas and I'm like, do you look like he's good? Because <laughs> he, I mean, it's crazy the level of ticket sales where there's like a handful and then, and then not a lot of draw, right? For some, unfortunately, which frustrates me because when I sit there and watch live matches, I'm like, they're all amazing to watch, right? But there's certain personalities that just really sell well, and you're like, "Curios is one I would I would like to meet. I could I could hang out. I feel like I could hang out with that guy, or at least I'd want to. I don't know if he'd like me at all. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, that would bring me in because it, it, he's interesting. There's something, and, and maybe that's that's what Atlanta looks for: something more interesting rather than even an adult. I guess everybody shows up for an adult either way, right? Yeah, I mean that that sells obviously well. Nick sells well. He, he's because he's so different. Like you say, he's great with children as well, which some might surprise some people, you know, being single without children yet, but he, he's great with children and, and, and he's great with for Atlanta and good to us by showing up. So we don't know what's going on this year with him and how long he'll be playing, but, and of course, John Isner, which people laugh and say, we should rename the tournament, the John Isner open, but <laughs> since he's won it six times and um, we're always fortunate to have him there and the local crowd really loves him as well and we can't beat we just get the great top american talent like fritz and tiafo and brooksby and riley and paul so it's great to see our support your american players well and i think that'll help because we are kind of in an uptick right now with chris eubanks with Shelton. Chris. yeah so i mean you know and we have shell again the kid who did well in australia and ben shelton i can't tell my son my son yeah. I said, all right, you know, little, little Giovanni is like, you're six months old now. You're going to grow up to be six foot four, left-handed with a two-handed backhand. All right. 
Ben, so Atlanta was Ben's first ATP tournament and he did well. It was great to kind of see him start and now he's just really doing great. Yeah, but I mean, that I think so that'll help, obviously. The, the more it's tangible and it, since he's got a backstory, having been in Atlanta certainly will help. And, and, and what you're talking about too, is, as far as the players showing up, that's a, unfortunately, that's in rampant in tennis at every event outside of the grand slams, because it, it's a grueling schedule. I mean, you know, these guys are, they're less than a month away from Wimbledon or, you know, from Wimbledon and they're less of, of, than a month away from the U S open. It's a tough, tough time of the year and then throw in a hundred degrees. And yeah, that flight might get diverted. So you really, you literally hold your breath and to make sure everybody shows up. You're, you're, you're hoping. That's where you can get, beat up on social and are like man we can't force them to show up so don't be hating on us like we didn't plan for them to back out like we sold tickets and they backed out like we we can't foresee the future we want everyone to show up right and at 250 they don't have to you know that's that's you know, they have more leeway with a 250 than you know a higher level tournament so it is it's it's kind of and, and then you try to explain to people well, we can move it. We should do this. We should. You don't understand. All you bought is the date. Yeah. That's what you own. That there's there's nothing else. That's what you have. You have this weekend. If they, if you can't do it this week, you're not doing it here. So I mean, the the Dallas event originated in New York, and they sold it to that week to Dallas, and yeah, it was did far better in Dallas. So that's a great for the game. But you know, it's there's not always a choice. We can't move it. That's you know, no. that's the whole thing. We can't. And people say, why would you do it in July? Like, we would prefer not to be outside in, in July, but we don't can't just say, let's do it. And nobody else wants July either. Yeah. <laughs> but we're part of the U.S. Open Series. So we're the first tournament that kicks it off. So, so what would you say your role in this situation? You know, what what is a social media manager do for a tennis tournament? Um. So, so for a 250, you know, it's, it's definitely different with the different level tournaments where they have large teams, but I oversee all of our channels, which for us is, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and my obligations are not just, you know, ticket promotion, which we do more on the paid media side and paid ads, um, but promoting the tournament. I mean, the players, special events, because we have STEM day, we'll have like sometimes wind down Wednesday with Kim Crawford, Umi Sushi, things like that. So promoting other events, pushing volunteer registration when we need people. Again, I said earlier, the sponsors promotion is a big piece. Um, we do fun content with some of our sponsors like Kim Crawford. I work with influencers to really showcase the wine and leading up to the tournament. Um, so the sponsor piece for Atlanta is a really large piece of what I do. Again, the influencer marketing, um, checking practice sports schedules. You know, let's make sure we get Coco's arriving today, get her, I have a videographer, photographers, um graphic designers to cover everything sometimes it's very spur of the moment isner was in his 500th tiebreaker i believe in dallas so we're like oh it's like a record go make me a graphic really quick so as much as you prepare there's a lot of on the spot uh spontaneous spontaneous stuff happening um and you know really kind of push the community piece of it as well as far as who we have on site if we have tennis you know, we have ATEF, we had them on site. Um, we had kids um, come and interview a couple of our players, which was adorable. So it's kind of thinking of different ways to do content other than just so-and-so one, go back tomorrow, you know, fun ways. My favorite part is I get to sit down with the players at the beginning of the week and try to do some fun 
recorded video content to just use throughout the week. And you put those on the, the major platforms that's the, that you're distributing? Yes. So we, because you probably know, I probably go, I go for humor every time. So it's like, what's funny that hasn't been done by ATP tour, which is they've done everything. There's no such thing as done everything. You, if you haven't, if you haven't sat down with me and Bobby, you say, Hey, we need something new. Just mm -hmm. give us five minutes of talking. We'll come up with something new. Oh, good. Perfect. Let's have a call next week. Cause I need to go ahead and we can we can come up with something new. Or, or all of a sudden we'll realize we're not as awesome as we thought we were. We came up with 47 different things and they've done all of it. Yeah, yes. It, it's insane. I start with like my brainstorming is this long every year. And like, what else can we do? Because you have a, a range of personalities with the players, right? You got some that are funny and some that don't really love doing it, but they are forced to go in that room with me <laughs> and and try to do something funny or just read something for us. Yeah, I think that's the thing that Bobby and I kind of think the same way. Like, oh, you know what? I could I could come up with something. But then probably everybody thinks that too, right? Yes, uh, we've had ideas and we start filming it. And I'm like, this is terrible cut. <laughs> 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 we were going to do funny town names in Georgia and have the players read it. But my intention was international players to read it with accents. But I didn't get international. I was getting all American, so it wasn't funny. So we cut it up. <laughs> like they're just saying Ludowicki and you know, like funny names and Delonica, and it was just like Pushton. That, that'd be my favorite. What it was, was on there. Pushton's yeah. got to be on there. But what was the one I saw the other day where they were interviewing the players and they had them put on the headphones and they had to guess the grunt of another yes. player and try to figure stuff like that is just is fun. I think for the for the fans, for the engagement. So that's kind of the stuff you get to do all the time? Yeah, the week of the tournament I do, unless sometimes we'll have somebody come in early like John or Riley to promote the tournament a few months out to kind of build some excitement. But yeah, I get to try to work with the guys in ATP to sit down and do funny stuff. Like we did funny laws in Texas and Dallas. There's some insane laws from like the 1800s. Like you can't drink a beer standing up on a Sunday after six. It's like really weird stuff. We'd have them read out on camera. That's a lot of fun. I think there's some strange laws from the 1980s. So we, we don't have to go that back that far for that. Right. No, no, no. You, Texas, because of the, I had to take one religious class at TCU and I had to take Texas state history because of the uniqueness associated with Texas. Texas is the only state flag that can fly above the American flag. And that was done as a concession to get them to join the union. So Texas had some power in the negotiating and they used it. So it, it, it is, a, it, you will have some funky stuff. On, I mean, literally back in 1986, when the drinking laws were changed, Texas waited to the absolute last day. <laughs> to, uh, before they would allow, so I went nine days, or I'm sorry, 1987, nine days where I was not allowed to drink in a bar in Texas when I had been drinking since I was 17. <laughs> so yeah, Texas is a, is a, its own country. So yeah, that that would probably be a, a pretty creative place, really, for you. Yeah, they had some funny. We did funny town names and funny laws, and we give them a real one and a fake one, and they had to guess which was Texas. So that was. Yeah, a lot you got a Paris, you got a Libya, you got all sorts of. You think you're international in Texas? You have a ding dong Texas, by the way. You have a Wimberley Texas, and I actually <laughs> live there. Yeah. <laughs> We did funny athletes' names in Atlanta, which were really funny. There's some funny ones out there as well. So, Very cool. So, what are the challenges? Because I remember back in the day, you know, traditional media, the AJC looked at us and said, listen, if, if you're not going to sell me a newspaper, 
right. there's really not a lot of things I'm going to help you out with. Radio is so difficult because the demographic it, it's so small. What you know, what are the how do you overcome the challenges of where do you say this is where we're going to concentrate outside of Alta? But you know that comes with you know because it's the the Alta magazine isn't a weekly. It if you you know you're in the wrong cycle, it could be a month and a half old sitting there on the shelf. Yeah, and even if we were on like you know Roku TV every three seconds, you still find somebody who says, "I didn't know you're happening" because it just happens. But I mean, every year you have to adjust because, especially with COVID, it changed media, paid media big time. You know, people were at home more; they weren't in their cars as much. Digital Roku, YouTube TV was exploding. So you know, digital is where it is, but you have to adjust it every year. And um, so it's kind of like print media, obviously not so much. Social ads do great because you can really, you know, pinpoint and fine tune the targeting a lot better there as far as most things, but digital really helps. So it's kind of, you know, every year seeing what works with everybody that does paid is what works and what didn't. And you can adjust it as you're going along as well to put more money behind something working. Like for another client of mine, it was Roku or YouTube was, was doing really well. And something else wasn't, so we just shifted. So, you know, yeah, we're in USTA Southern and Atlanta and Alta, but you may not pick up your magazine in the mail. So that is the challenge, you know, and then we do some community work, you know, with clubs and things like that, but um, you just kind of have to evolve. That's where Bobby always says, you got to get on people's phones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, and the ticketing guys, they're constantly calling and doing the packages and reaching out to the organizations and that kind of thing. And um, for us, for me, like around tournament time, it's just huge for the players to share and comment, which some are not great with, but back to Nick, Nick does a great job with that for us. It's it's huge for my numbers. I'm like, thank you. And Jack Sock's great about that. And, you know, some of the players really help us out. Um which makes a big deal because they're like Nick's follower size is humongous. Well, the good news is you, you mentioned his name and his dad is involved in something very fun with Riley in swing vision. And, you know, so that I think from a participatory standpoint to have a court where people could see this, I think there'd be great interest in Atlanta. And as we're finding out, there is an explosion of virtual reality tennis going yes. on. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that we've spoken. You know, we've spoken to three different companies so far, and uh, they're all trying to figure out how they're going to unlock the key. You know, and so I think that would be a blast just to have people with their headsets on, just spaced out, of course, so they're not whacking each other. But nonetheless, you know, playing some virtual tennis, and these companies are all dying to get into it. Yeah, you know, I was just like, I want to get the players doing that because it's really funny to watch someone on the headset doing things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they crazy. can't see themselves. So it's funny. You get to laugh at them while they got the yeah. goggles on. So. Yes, exactly. That could be pretty good right there. Especially yeah. with this couple of seven footers out there. They, they, they're looking weird with a tennis racket to begin with. So and then you put virtual glasses on them. And obviously, they're going to play. They're going to get down like they normally do because it's just instinctive at this point. So I think that, that would be some good television. So the challenge, just and tell me if I'm wrong here, How what kind of production facility, like if you had something incredible happen on a Tuesday night, how long does it take you or do you have the means to turn it around and make that into uh, a YouTube clip 
two nights, you know, the next day to get people. Because I know the challenges historically has been, we're going to get you here one time when you're talking about the suburbs. How do we get you to come back? How do we get you to be part of the weekend crowd? Right. So today I have great support there. I didn't have it in 2017. Like ATP, Tennis TV, you know, we're on um, WhatsApp. And I'm like, he just hit a tweener. That's amazing. I want it right now. I can get it within like two minutes and put it out on social. I didn't have that ability in 2017. I also have this amazing videographer, Drew, who does Wimbledon Indian Wells. And he's always there. He's like my guy. And so he's clipping things. And in Dallas, we had President Bush show up and tap Riley on the head. And it was hilarious. I'm like, give me that right now. So now I have the ability to get things pretty quickly um, before I didn't. And there's a lot more I would be would like to do, but I'm just like heads down constantly during a tournament. So like asking people to help me. So um, if, you, if you need someone to be there the whole time and watch <laughs> all the matches and just text you when something interesting happens, let okay. me know if you can come up with somebody. Like enjoy the air conditioned suite and the Kim Crawford line. I, I will help. Okay, I'll, I'll note that down. I have some friends that I've offered as well. So <laughs> now, Ashley, you're paying. She's not even an intern anymore, right? Ashley, you're, you're having to pay. Uh, no, she's. I just hook her up with you know the access, and she does work for me. Yeah, she's she's hooked in now. That's costing me money. She's not as flexible with drills as she used to be. <laughs> Uh, just just two weeks out of the year. <laughs> well, like I said, it's fun that we're all in such a small community. We all are, are bouncing a bunch of things off of one another. What are you guys doing to get the crowd younger? Because right. that's a big challenge for tennis across the board. Yeah, I mean, on my side of things, I've worked with some younger organizations like Atlanta Professionals and, you know, groups like that, especially from the social side. We've done some actually paid work with those kind of groups to kind of reach that audience. Again, that's where you can do the, you can target the paid media for the younger spectrum. Like Instagram is younger than Facebook. And my audience there is, well, I say younger. I say 25 to 35, you know, heavier male for us on Instagram. So, and then our crowd is, it depends, you know, who it is, right? Um, our women's exhibition match can draw in a different crowd for us, which is always good. Um, last year we had Coco and Taylor Townsend. It was, it was awesome. We've had Venus. Um, so the player kind of matters a, a little bit, but the younger crowd is coming out because you got Atlantic Station with all the restaurants and bars right there at it. Um, so that definitely helps. Definitely would like to get more of the young crowd out. Like I said, not even just a tennis player. They just want something fun to do. You know, we've worked with that with kind of on the influencer side. We need an influencer. I mean, that, that's one of our tags is how to make tennis cool again. You know, the, the classic McEnroe is James Dean picture, you know, when he was the rebel without a cause where tennis and, and the Agassi era where, where tennis was cool. You know, and that's trying to reshape it. Again, we talk about the athleticism involved in playing tennis today is so beyond what it was from the 70s. I mean, these guys are phenomenal tier one athletes. And unfortunately, with America being a little behind, it hasn't really grown in this country like you think it would because it's a spectacular sport. I mean, as a skill sport, as I, as I tell my students, guys, this is the most difficult skill sport there is. I mean, you know, where you have to combine hand, eye, and foot. You know, I always base hitting a baseball is probably the hardest single thing to do in sports. But co combination-wise, tennis is 
right there with anything. Yeah, that's why I say, I mean, just even come out to qualifying, the the, le- the skill set level is insane. And I, I love watching it. And the doubles matches are insane. And then you're going to go right down there and get autographs from the winners after every match at our tournament, which is an experience you don't get everywhere. Um, so that's the benefit of being a little bit smaller is that kind of more intimate experience. So how do you, and this, this is the old NAS, as you brought it up again, I think NASCAR was built in a lot of ways with accessibility to the players, to the drivers, you know, you go to a booth and you'd get the autograph. And like you said, no matter what level, and I I was amazed we did a, as I said, with Talladega with Hershey's back in the day. And I was amazed because I was not a NASCAR follower at the time. You would ask, Terry Labonte and they would the, the fan of Terry Labonte would literally rattle off every sponsor that was on his car and you I mean that's the kind of brand loyalty that any sport would die for and that's where NASCAR cornered the market and I you know there's plenty of theories out there of why tennis hasn't been able to accomplish it and a lot of it like you said the players they're not the most social hey they you know a lot of them dropped out of school at a very young age so, you know, there's there are challenges to overcome. Yeah, I mean, even if I want to like do something special for Sam with Cadillac, I, I have to check. They have to check where their agents that this athlete can get in this car. <laughs> you know, you have all yeah. those challenges as well. Um, but if you throw something really fun for the guys, like we took um, JJ and Michael Moe to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, they're like, we're in. So it depends what you're throwing at them, right? The Mercedes-Benz is a pretty nice stadium. We should be able to get somebody in there, right? Yeah, we should. We should do that next. So they're they're easily will want to do that. Some of the things we ask them to do, they're like, hmm. <laughs> not, not today? Yeah. Depends what it is. Nothing like kudzu. Go go to the Gorilla th- Atlanta Zoo. We have a great zoo. I love our yeah. zoo. Yeah. <laughs> so the challenge with these guys is practice schedules and match schedules, and so we try to get a lot at the beginning of the week before the main draw players are going, because some of them don't they don't start playing until Wednesday Thursday. So we have to get everything kind of earlier in the week, and then. When do they historically get here for? If you like, you said if they play a Tuesday Wednesday match, when are they arriving in the city? They're, it's all over the place, but they're coming in the weekend before, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, generally. Um, I try to get them like Monday, Sunday, Monday. That's when most of them are for sure there and not too busy yet. I get my 15 minutes with them. Not a minute over. <laughs> That's right. There's somebody's on the clock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they usually come in sweating from practice or something, you know. Where do they Where are they practicing now? So, you know, we were, we had three courts right there at the stadium. Right. Probably going to have to practice it at Georgia Tech because that lot was purchased. And, and that's my last question then, Sean. She's all yours. When are we going to move it to the North 400 corridor? So <laughs> I, I know everyone asked me about that. I'm like, I'm not involved with the location discussion, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to throw it out there to see if anybody's listening. Well, look, I'll get Peter on here soon. and he Please, please. This is, I know Peter, but, you know, just, just curiosity, Peter. Why are we not – I mean, the Olympics, the Olympics killed us. We understand that by putting it in Stone Mountain. Could we reverse history and, and put something up here? That's my – all right, Sean. She's all yours. 
Okay, thank you. Well, Becky, first of all, thank you so much. It's been fun for me to get to know you and then hearing you and Bobby go back and forth is fun because I know you guys know each other well and, and learning and, and talking with, with an expert in what you do and, and as connected as you can be in doing what you do, we get to learn a lot. And I, uh, I made a comment the other day that at some point I looked at my wife and I said, at some point, if this plays out in the right direction, is this going to make me the Joe Rogan of tennis? <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't me comparing myself to Joe Rogan. It was the concept. It, it is, if we can talk to all of the experts, at some point, we get all the expert information that no one else has been able to compile. And that's one of the things Go Tennis wants to do as well, is that compilation of, of, of information, especially Atlanta specific, not trying to take over the world, not trying to make it too big, one calendar, one place, everything right there, making it simple and making it uh, in, in one, one easily, easily navigated system as opposed to everything else going on out there. And you get that concept with the, the scheduling that you've got to do in, in your job, but also finding time to play tennis for yourself and being able to get out there and play and, and get yourself on the court. And so I always ask at the end, and I, I love this question because it gets not only that expertise and that personal point of view into it, but also everything, everything that you do and everything that we've talked about usually feeds into the answer that we get. But if you were, if you were queen of tennis for a day or a month or a year, or however long it took, you were queen of tennis and you could change or improve anything about tennis, whether it's Atlanta specific, United States, globally, is there anything you would change? Good question. And I, I saw that on my cheat sheet and I thought about it. So there's two answers. One is like for me as a player versus me as a marketer. And I already said this, can we not have Easter autumn matches and spring break? Can we alter that schedule a little bit? But that's just as a captain speaking. Um, <laughs> I mean, professionally, I couldn't really think of anything kind of two part. Like one, I'd love to see American win a grand slam. I mean, that's just kind of like as a fan, you know, that's, coming up happening we've got like Bobby said there's so many ones that are just like on the it's you know so close to doing that um and just really for our, our U.S. fans to really appreciate our American players you know I mean it's fine to be a big fan of a international player I get it um but really appreciating them and, and supporting our players here in the U.S. I think could be better you know just for me <laughs> but I'm a big fan of pushing the American players as an American tournament. So that's from my perspective. But we also like, we love to give love to our international players that come. We get a lot of Australian players and, and Asian players as well. So it's just great to see good tennis and meet good people and good players overall. Well, there you have it. We want to thank rejuvenate.com for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. For more tennis-related content, you can go to atlantatennispodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our calendar of tennis events, deals on equipment, apparel, and more. And you should feel good knowing that shopping at letsgotennis.com helps support this show. You can also donate directly using links in the show notes. And with that, we're out. See you next time.